90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty good. Finals week is next week. We're in the home stretch. Yeah, and I get to see you next week. I know. How exciting is that? It's very exciting, and hopefully we'll have a maybe even a <gasps> not live but live recorded together show. Ah, live to tape. <laughs> uh, That's exciting too. We've never yeah. done that, right? We've no. never been together and recorded, which is crazy. We've not. Very crazy. And well, you know, we missed last week, which was not planned, but I was mm-hmm. phenomenally sick. <laughs> You caught it, the thing, whatever it is. I, I have not missed more than two days of work since 2010 <laughs> until last week. Oh, uh, what did you tell me? Like you were on the computer for like two hours in a 48-hour period, and that's never happened in your yep. life. <laughs> yep i I went into work Monday morning, didn't feel great. By 11 o'clock, I was like, I'm done. I came home, slept all day, got up, drank some medicine, slept all night. Man. Uh, Still had fever and was bad Tuesday. Wednesday was bad. Thursday was U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh Started to feel better, but by that point, my wife had caught it. Oh, gosh. Uh, she was gone when I got sick, and as soon as she got back from her trip, she got it. Of course. And so, yeah, we've been sick together for like 10 days. Yeah, so. it's awful. It's awful. That's what my kids have had it. I had it about a month ago, and it was brutal, man. I was going back. Um, this week was, you know, the last exams before finals. And I was going back and going through my lectures, and I was like, oh, yeah, I missed, yeah, a couple days of lecture <laughs> from being sick. So, glad you're back, back among us. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I thought, like, when you said you were sick, I was like, well, maybe we can still record, and you're like, no, dude. <laughs> and you were like, meh, 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 meh. And then when I got this, I was like, yeah, I totally see it. Uh, anything more than about... 30 minutes of concentrated effort, and I was down for a four-hour nap. Yeah, that's exactly. It was this crazy exhaustion, and it just couldn't, yeah, yeah. It certainly lingers, but it's so bad that you feel better, you know. Even though the tiredness lingers, it's still better than what it was in the depths of it, so. Oh, yeah. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, it was was quite the thing. yeah. But we're back, and I thought that, you know, now that we haven't had a, a show for a week because of this, that we should talk about something really boring. I like it when we get into deep topics, though. Uh, yes, and <laughs> this, this is deep and boring. <laughs> it's uh, the Cola Super Deep Borehole. Yay! Now, this is interesting because I have had somebody cold email me, which happens a lot. You know, I work at a state university. Um, yeah, we get all the wackos there. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now, and, and hers wasn't, although there have been some really great, look at this alien fossil that I found numerous ones of those emails <laughs> but <laughs> she had asked about this borehole in russia that was like the deepest thing and she wanted to know all about drilling and all this stuff and the picture she showed me was not a picture of that borehole but um yeah so that's what we're going to talk about today right this cola super deep borehole which actually has some tie-ins to oklahoma as well it does it's also known as sg3 if you want to be a boring scientist or you can say it's stargate <laughs> stargate means something different to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um this isn't a show about religion that's all i'm saying so we'll get into <laughs> the cola super deep borough <laughs> um this was always this thing is captivating to me just captivating i mean i spent five years as a petroleum geologist and three years doing internships in petroleum geology. So I've done a lot of drilling and this is so cool, mostly because it was just, it seems like such a toddlerish idea, right? Like what happens if we just drill down as far as we can? Right. <laughs> and that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. And I'm fascinated with borehole work. One, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But two, yeah, it's just so interesting to me that just like we, you know, drill holes in metal all the time at work, that there are people whose job is to drill holes into the planet. Yeah. And see what's down there. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. just like, you know, we talk about manufacturing all the time, like everything that you've got, everything that's in your house was made in a factory by someone, like, we have to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, the gas in your car, the oil in your car, the natural gas that's lighting up your heater, it all came from what's fundamentally a hole dug in the ground. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, I mean, oil drilling goes back to ancient China, and those holes were fairly shallow, right? And... um we should just do a whole, ha, a whole show on drilling technologies. Um. We'll call it the whole show. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is correct. I'm writing, I'm writing that down. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is, like I said, this was sort of, okay, I say it's toddlerish, but it, it's for scientific purposes, right? But it was really to see how far you could get, get down and... There's some really amazing things about how they drilled it, what they found, how deep they got, and how disappointingly shallow it is in relation to the crustal thickness in that area. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh huh. And this is a question that I get a lot in my intro classes that I teach. Um, because I think this is something that isn't super well understood. And there's a lot of people that think that we have, like, we know the structure of the earth because we've drilled through it, which is not true. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. Even though there are some scientific, you know, drilling is just trying to see, like, what is actually down there. We know the structure of the earth because of geophysics, not because we've actually touched the mantle or drilled through the ocean crust before. Yeah, so if you want the depressing numbers... <laughs> this well made it almost 30% of the way through the plate. 
which is 0.2% of the radius of the Earth. So tiny. And that's the deepest that we've ever drilled. Mm-hmm. Ever. Point two. Yeah. And it also blew up about everything we thought we knew because nothing really worked as it was planned. Mm-hmm. The, the well was hotter than was expected. The rock composition was different. We found things that we didn't expect at all. It, it was a very interesting thing. And this it was almost a space race. Uh, oh, you remember that horrible sci-fi movie, Inner Space? <laughs> oh, I love that show. <laughs> so it, it's, it's almost the inner space race in that there were multiple efforts in the 50s, 60s, 70s to drill the deepest hole. This started in 1970, but the U.S. had an earlier effort that they abandoned, which had probably the best name, which was Project Mohole. Yeah, that's real good. So that's a play on the Moho, right? Boom. It was. Mm-hmm. And a play uh, on Mole Men. Real good. <laughs> though we unfortunately spent quite a bit of money and stopped after 183 meters. Oh, so disappointing. Of course, something that has such a great name wouldn't was set up to fail. <laughs> yes, but it was in the ocean. This is on land. Uh, for reference, this is in far northern Russia, uh, like Norway. Which is really like, funny because when you border. yeah, when you're like the borway the border with Norway and Russia, which obviously if you're into the World Wars histories, clearly that right. exists, but it's not something you think about when you think about Russia. It's not yes. something I think about when I think about the location of Russia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So way, 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 way up there. And I'm assuming that part of this was chosen because this part is um, a shield. And so if you go back to your Earth history classes, or if you haven't taken one, I'll tell you, the word shield in like geologic parlance means like the oldest rocks that are on a continent. So each continent started off as a craton, which is like the little continental seed, right? So way back two billion years ago, we were a whole bunch of little bitty continents, not as big as we are now. And then as volcanism happened, as we crashed into each other, the continents got bigger. And so the shields are like the oldest part of the continents that are around. And most like shield rocks are in the realm of one to two billion years old. Um, And so this is part of the Baltic shield is that area really far north. So they planned this in the oldest part, probably the thickest part of that Eurasian area of continental crust. Right. Mm -hmm. And so... We keep saying ocean crust, continental crust. These are two different things because the thicknesses between oceanic crust and continental crust are pretty big, right? So ocean crust on average is only like eight kilometers thick, right? And so this would have, this well would have gone through oceanic crust, right? All the way down to the asthenosphere anyway. 
Um, but continental crust can be up to like 120 kilometers thick under mountain ranges. And so in the shield area, it was probably about 35 kilometers thick, right? Yeah, like to the seismologist who sees the Earth as, you know, a spherically <laughs> symmetric ball of stuff, uh, we normally say continental crust is 40 kilometers thick and oceanics, yeah, six to eight. Yeah, so there you go. So it only made it 12 kilometers, which is sad. <laughs> yeah, and that's 40,230 feet in Yankee units. Uh, mm -hmm. It is still the deepest artificial point on Earth. Yes. And this is where the Oklahoma tie-in comes. Um, and I rem so I remember going in my Earth history course, which was, you know, in the Anthropocene, but not, not far into the Anthropocene. <laughs> right. We went to a place and we it was looked. a much shorter course then. That's right. That's right. Than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's sad. It might be like a whole, a whole lecture longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we went to a place in Oklahoma and I remember we looked at this like borehole and I remember writing down that it was the deepest point on Earth for a while. And I remember them talking about this well getting drilled here in Oklahoma. We're like in the hills. And them talking about how it was molten at the bottom. And as I went on in my lifetime, I didn't remember where we were. You don't actually pay attention to where you are on these field trips. It's very interesting. <laughs> Like, when you go back yes. and teach, you're like, yeah, I know where that is. But when you're taking these courses, you don't pay attention to this stuff. And I'm like, did I imagine this? <laughs> did I imagine that we went to this place? So I was very excited when we started to talk about this because that was a real place. <laughs> and it was a well that was drilled by – it was drilled by Lone Star um, Production Company, but – it was in conjunction with GHK, which anyone in Oklahoma knows about GHK. It's an energy company. Now it's a privately held sort of equity company. Um, so that is the Hefners of like Hefner Lake and Hefner Drive and all that jazz. Um, so they drilled this hole in 1974, and this Bertha Rogers for five years was the deepest hole in the earth. And it was 31,000 feet. And I'm looking, I found a GPS coordinate for it. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's right off the end of a runway on Clinton airport in Oklahoma. Yeah. It's, a, it's in Burns flat. It's by the place where that's the alternative landing for the old space shuttles. And, yeah, uh, I can see on the satellite view what I think are the remnants of a well pad. Mm -hmm. That's all it was, was just, yeah, a pad. And they're like, look. And we're like, what? And so the molten part was not molten rock. Well, I mean, it sort of was. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like molten lava because they hit the mantle, which I'm sure is what stuck in my head. <laughs> Right, right. Like Thirty-one thousand feet. That's higher than Mount Everest. That's huge. Um, but it was very interesting because they did hit molten stuff at the bottom. Um, 
It was molten sulfur. Interesting. Yeah. And so in this area, there's like this, they're looking for natural gas. Like this one is looking for natural gas, not like the, the cola super deep borehole. Um, and they found this molten sulfur and it was also like extremely overpressured at this location and obviously super hot. It melted the end of the drill string. Um, and so they lost all of it and they plugged that bottom part of the well. And then they came back up to a unit called the granite wash and they produced from there, which is a very prolific natural gas producer in the Western part of Oklahoma, which is still really deep. Like it's hard to produce from the granite wash sometimes. Um, it's, you know, in the realm of 10,000 plus feet out there. So it's like, that's a deep well to begin with, but they went twice as far as that again <laughs> to drill this well and hit molten sulfur. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And this is well produced from the granite wash um, until 97. And then it was plugged and abandoned. Um, so I would have been out there not long, just like a couple of years after it was P&A'd. So very exciting. And again, the same with this Cola Super Deep Hole. Like, y you see it, and it's just like an 8 or 10-inch pipe flange bolted to the top of the ground. Looks like a piece of junk metal laying in the ground. That's it. But you mm -hmm. open it up, and there's miles down. 40,000 feet down. So that one is a little more complicated, though, right? So what they do when you're drilling off of like these huge platforms say in the gulf of mexico or something like that you'll drill one big hole and we do this here onshore too and then from that one big hole you will drill other holes off in different directions so you have to protect once you start to drill you have to go down and you have to do what they call casing the hole and it's to protect sort of the groundwater and everything that's near the surface. And so you'll usually drill a large hole to begin with. And then you set this pipe that you cement into the ground. And so all the stuff you're pumping up or down the hole doesn't go out into like the drinking water. And so that part of this super deep borehole I think they said it was something that was really, like, really wide, which was one of the cool things about it is, you know, I think usually those are, like, 10 inches or something like this, and this one was, like, 14 or something. And that is unusual to begin with, but that pipe is super, super heavy. That is the casing pipe. It said something about, like a million pounds of iron or something went into that casing pipe. Yeah, so it's pretty big. The The hole itself is a nine-inch diameter Nine-inch, okay. All right. Yeah. So all the other holes, like the ones that go down to like 40,000, and they did this in several different times, would be less than nine inches in diameter. Right. Yeah. So that's how they do it. Um, big hole to begin with to a certain depth in smaller holes from there and that's what was interesting about this drill hole is like they re-entered it how many times like quite a few because they kept yeah. having problems 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like four or five times, something like that. Oh, at least five right there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so, you know, they started drilling in 1970. Uh, they stopped drilling in 94. <laughs> We used to drill our wells in like seven days. <laughs> now, this is very episodic. Yes. Because they would get somewhere and have a problem. So like in 1984, uh, they had made it to just over 39,000 feet, so just over 12 kilometers. And the drill string twisted off in the hole. And then it was two years before they were able to they had to go back up to seven kilometers and deviate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They call that fishing when you try to go in and grab your drill string because it breaks off. But sometimes you leave your fish in the hole and then you just go sideways. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, I mean, like we said, the whole well drilling process itself is very interesting. But this hole, after they got down there and on their way down they found lots of wild stuff my favorite one is they found water throughout yeah. the whole hole the whole hole mm-hmm. so you would think that water wouldn't be that deep but it was there <laughs> it was and it was there because the pressures were so intense it was being squeezed out of minerals in the formation that is the mind-blowing part. You are literally squeezing water out of rock. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, that's pretty neat. Very uh, cool. It was, it was also way hotter than they anticipated, which is why they didn't get as deep as they anticipated. Mm-hmm. Because they were going to start melting their... melting their stuff, their assembly, but also... You can't drill into squishy, plasticky rocks, right? <laughs> yeah, how do you drill into Play-Doh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't. You just jam a straw in it. <laughs> right. So it was 180 Celsius. It's 356 Fahrenheit That's at hot. depth. They expected it to be 100 Celsius or 212 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So almost twice as hot. Yeah, so squishy rocks had to stop, which is crazy that that's only a third of the way through the continental crust there. And it yeah. seems like we always, you know, we're like, the lithosphere is very brittle. Well. <laughs> For certain values are brittle. Mm-hmm, yeah. Compared to liquid, it's quite brittle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, plasticky enough, only a third of the way through that you can't drill into it anymore. That's that's one of the things that really is surprising to me. These things that we sort of are the first things we teach in geology. And it's like, well, meh. Yeah. Right. I've started telling and my students that we lie to them. And you only have to take these advanced <laughs> classes to realize that you're being lied to. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is all, you know, getting to this depth is about the first, what, 12 seconds of the movie The Core? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, kind of glances over some, some extreme issues you could have. 
<laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that shut down the well in Oklahoma, the birth of Rogers, too, was, I mean, the hip molten sulfur. So they were also running into a lot of, like, HS gas, which is bad, 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 right? You get a big bubble oh, of that. kill everybody on the platform. Exactly. You get a big bubble of that, and it kills everyone immediately. And so there was some pretty nasty stuff coming out of the depths of this um, super deep borehole as well, right? Um, I think it's funny because it, it says another unexpected discovery was this large quantity of hydrogen gas. I don't know why I was always surprised <laughs> that they would find that, but they said that the drilling mud, so they're drilling it with mud, right? The whole drill string is hollow in the middle and you squirt the mud down there and it carries all the stuff you're actually drilling back up and out the annulus of the drill hole and it said that it was boiling with hydrogen there was so much hydrogen gas coming out of the surrounding rock as they were drilling and what do you want around large electrohydraulic machinery probably hydrogen, hydrogen. yeah right? yeah i don't think what could go wrong <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of those one of those guys on the derrick lights up his cigarette and <laughs> Yeah. See you later. <laughs> now, one of the other cool things was they expected to go from granite to basalt based on the seismic velocities. There's a big seismic discontinuity. Mm-hmm. Uh around seven kilometers down. Or, well, a little above that. And they were pretty sure, based on the seismology, every seismologist would look at it and go, yep, that's where we go from granite to basalt. Never uh -huh. found it. Uh-huh. What was there was a metamorphic transition in the granite. That's cool. So we had the rock type wrong. <laughs> that's, this doesn't surprise anyone. I don't know why you're surprised. So... We've drilled a third of the way through the crust and found out that we actually don't know anything about the thermal or <laughs> geochemical structure of the crust. <laughs> but we are confirmed in the fact that geophysics can tell you nothing. <laughs> I mean, there was something there. We just didn't know what. Something there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and see, it only took billions of dollars to figure to out what it out. Oh, see, this is why I, geophysicists take my field methods class, and I tell them that this is exactly why. They need to know when a geologist doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> case Which in is point. Most of the time. Case in point, right here. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it's not surprising that they have these really high geothermal gradients that they didn't expect that there would be this metamorphic transition in the in the granite right there and especially with the presence of water changing everything yeah very interesting and there were fossils mm -hmm. at six kilometers depth so that's like two billion year old rock yeah. with single cell fossils in it that's pretty cool super cool mm -hmm. yeah that's really fun some of the like some of the really cool things that come out of these really deep areas in South Africa is one of the places that there are super deep mines. Right. And they have found um, like living microorganisms in the cracks and the rocks at 
a couple of kilometers down, which was something we didn't think existed either. Like, how are these things, they're not photosynthetic, they're two kilometers down in rock. Yeah. Very they're interesting. They're a horta. There you go. <laughs> That's what it's got to be. Exactly. <laughs> if, you need, if you need that reference, I'll try to remember to link it in show notes. <laughs> but I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. So. Jim. Not a bricklayer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so we digress into other podcasts that we like to listen to. <laughs> it's, yes. It's really cool, the stuff that is unexpected from these, which is the purpose of, you know, sticking a hole in the ground without anything other than to say let's see what we find right <laughs> yep so, so as we said 95 drilling stopped uh, it there was still a scientific team involved mm-hmm. until 2007 and then in 2008 the site was abandoned and now it's like the stuff of nightmares it's destroyed uh it's mostly destroyed buildings, scattered ruins of stuff. It it does always amaze me how quickly nature takes over again. Yeah. Like you look at this, and you're like, oh, that's been abandoned for 40 years. Actually, just since 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like atomic age stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are like almost 500 reviews of the site on Google. Yeah. So if you Google Cola Super Deep, you can go read a bunch of funny reviews of tourists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Because like some people say you hear screaming so... noise from the borehole, and one person commented, like, sounds no different than my house. <laughs> I went down a wiki hole of the so like that was one of the things it gets conflated with there's some weird like borehole to hell thing that people talk about and people get it confused with this right <laughs> uh-huh yeah, it was unclear to me like it looked like some people called this borehole to hell right know. correct and so this is where that person that emailed me about it had pictures and referenced this borehole to hell thing and so when I was reading about it again today, um, getting ready for this, yeah. And so they were saying that they had to stop because the drill string melted and they could hear, like, recordings of damned souls crying out and all this stuff. And these recordings, like, went viral, essentially. And Yeah. But none of that is what happened here. No. But it's very interesting that that myth has been perpetuated and still exists. Yeah. It is. And this is one of those places. There are a lot of abandoned technological sites in Russia I would like to see. Oh, man. Those, like, listicles that come out of, like, abandoned things you wouldn't want to be in. Like those abandoned, half-built nuclear reactors. Mm Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would very much like to go to the Chernobyl exclusion zone. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. I would like to visit this borehole. Mm -hmm. I would like to visit the abandoned Dugga over the horizon radar. Oh, yeah. I bet that's scary. I'd like to visit UVB 76, the abandoned transmitter site. These are all in Ukraine or Russia. <laughs> uh, so not a great place to travel to mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, politically. But, and also, oh, and there's, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. There's a giant abandoned radio observatory, too, oh, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, so creepy. And like the control room's still pristine. That's ridiculous. So a lot of these things I would love to go visit that are really just out in the middle of the mountains and not that impressive unless you know their history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'd be gotta be so hard to to find, I guess, but maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Well, I mean, they're you can find them on Google Earth quite easily. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's not the same as getting there on foot now, is it? <laughs> oh, no. No. In fact, uh, to get to this borehole site from reading some of the Google reviews, um, people said that most of the roads have been blocked off with mounds of dirt and trenches dug through them so you can't drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it looks like a lot of people take a trailer out there with, like, four-wheelers or dirt bikes. That's... And get there that way see like i pulled up one of these listicles right now and there's this weird smirnik smirnik airfield abandoned in russia where there's these like rotting mig fighters hanging out in the hangars that's terrifying mm -hmm. that'd be very interesting to go see oh it's this diamond mine i think it's that diamond mine that people think is that borehole picture when I look at this. So it's like 500 meters deep. And it's 1,200 meters across. And this is a picture that I think gets conflated with that borehole to hell. And it's like some, okay. yeah, it's the second largest man-made hole in the world or something like that. Um, and so people show that abandoned Russian thing with that mine. And I was like, that's just a mine. That's not the drill hole. That would be terrifying if it was. <laughs> Because it's 1,200 meters across. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what was neat when you talk about these super deep boreholes, you know, the whether it's the Bertha Rogers or this one, is the technology that goes into the drilling just to support the weight of the pipe and the bottom hole assembly. I mean, it's just hanging, right? Like, that's why those derricks are so tall. Yep. It's just hanging down this hole, right? And so that's that's very interesting to me that we're able to do that in general. And then to think about oh, yeah. doing it like in the ocean while on a boat. <laughs> yes, and risered and riserless drilling on boats are something that we need to talk about. But that's... Mm -hmm. A topic for another week. Yes, yes, it is. You're not drilling forty thousand foot holes there. Although, so the next place, and I talk a little bit about this. I don't know a lot about this. Surely we can find someone who knows about it that we can talk to. Um, so if you can't, if you can drill forty thousand feet 
and only get through a third of this shield, um, why don't we go to the ocean? And I think that there are lots of projects in the Indian Ocean to do this because that's where on Earth the oceanic crust is the thinnest, is in the Indian Ocean. And so if we want to drill down to the asthenosphere, that's the place to go. It's still going to be hot. Yeah. Outrageously hot. So I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't either. But, but that's, I, I mean, th- this this was one of the first boreholes to do pressurized drilling muds. Mm-hmm. Yep. To be able to get this deep. So more technology will, will come along. Right. Exactly. It's, yeah. And these questions are what drive would drive that technology so often. So, you know, as I'm finishing up the last book in the um, three body problem series, that's all about technology. Oh yeah. That's a, also an excellent sci-fi series. We'll have to have a spoiler alert discussion about it here in the next week or so, whether on the, on the show or in person, (laughs) because yeah, this is, it is a mind blowing trilogy huge fan so glad you made me stick with it to read it yeah it's a marathon but it's worth it oh boy it is like 12 marathons but it is totally worth it that is correct yeah and very deep yes (laughs) but now it's time to talk about something maybe (laughs) not so deep in everybody's favorite segment of the show fun paper friday so I want to see the stats on how many urination-related fun papers we have. Quite a few. <laughs> Did you love this one? My favorite part is it's called the Mulu. <laughs> That's right. It is the paper about cows peeing. <laughs> Um, it is learned control of urinary refluxes in cattle to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions by Dirksen et al. <laughs> yes, it is. So apparently, cow pee is a major pollutant in terms of mixing with cow poo in a milking parlor and creating ammonia, or lots of cow pee in fields mixing with whatever else is in the field and leaching into waterways and mm-hmm. releasing nitrous oxide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, isn't cow farting the worst part for all the methane? But I didn't think about all the ammonia in pee being a big deal. Cause you think, Oh, well, ammonia photo dis- maybe most people don't think this, this is what I think being a paleoclimate person. You know, ammonia photo dissociates pretty fast, but it's still a pretty potent greenhouse gas. So Yeah, and it, you know, pretty fast is a relative term. Yes, exactly. Pretty fast geologically speaking, but that doesn't help us <laughs> in terms of climate mitigation now. I love this. I also love the fact that, um, <laughs> as always, the references in these papers are mind-blowing to me because there are four references that are previous attempts to toilet train cows <laughs> that were unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, we live out in the country. I know cattle pee quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's tens of liters a day. Yeah. That's a and lot. And so for one billion <laughs> cattle in the world, we're looking at, you know, say 20, 30 billion liters of pee a day. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of ammonia coming off of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it said that um, if you model that, if you could capture 80% of cattle urine in these latrines, it'd be almost a 60% reduction in ammonia emissions just through this. Yeah. So they potty trained 16 calves. I love this phrasing. They said, which had the free time to learn a new skill as they're not involved with milking and other systems. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it, these people truly know... This is really nice because a lot of times there's a big disconnect with academia and real life, right? Like we see that a lot. We joke about it in these fun papers, but we live it with people we work with, right? But this one truly is not because they say straight up, like, look, you have a cattle farm. You're not going to put effort into things that are going to cost you a lot of time. And so, you know, why would you work to collect pee and poop? You know, you're not going to. We don't at all. It's not going to make you money. Exactly. That's what you're in business to do. Exactly. And so, you know, that's, that's fine. There's like, this is what I love about this. There's no sort of like moral anything about that. They said, it's not going to, it's not going to make you money. Why would you do it? But the fact is cows have the... This is very interesting how they talked about it, um, about how like their brains work like other animals that are easily trained. So if we can make cows do this by themselves, not only is it helping the planet, but it helps keep your pastures cleaner. If you've ever driven in West Texas, you know what those feedlots smell like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're not great, you know, and so this would do away with a ton of that and also be helpful. Like you said, you can turn that directly into fertilizer for crops um, if you could harness that. And so it feels like these people really know the usefulness of what they're doing here. And there's a video of a cow using the mulu. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't believe that cow doesn't freak out when that little... So, obviously, the experimental setup is you get these cows to go down these chutes into the mulu, which is, like, artificial turf. And I have a couple of friends that have these things set up for their dogs. They have, like, tiny yards. And right. so they have these, like, astroturf urine-collecting devices set up. And so the cows, they teach them. Like I said it only took them two 15-minute sessions to teach them how to use their head to open up the door to the mulu, and they can't get out on their own. The experimenters had to let them out, but they could enter it on their own. And so the point was to give them treats when they enter and then give them treats when they pee while they're in there and then give them treats after they've peed and then they get to go their own way. But the little door that opens up to give them these little molasses treats, it is so loud. (laughs) It is very loud. Yeah. And it goes on forever, which I assume is like the molasses pumping out. But I'm surprised that didn't startle the cows. 
And I also thought it was funny. They said when the cows peed on the floor in the hallway instead of there, they spritzed <laughs> them with water. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You got to make it all the way to the bathroom. You don't get your M&Ms if you pee in the hallway outside the bathroom. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny with the molasses because I saw it pumping out. A few years ago, we did a project that we had to meter molasses that was going into a big mixer in a plant. <laughs> you could have made the mulu at that time. <laughs> we could have. And it was, it was really hard because most of these giant plants aren't super well temperature controlled. Mm. Mm. And, you know, they say like molasses, molasses. in winter. Molasses, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like, it was very difficult. Like, we had to actually meter with ultrasonic sensors. Oh, no kidding. Volume passage of the molasses because there was no regression that worked well enough for, for just the, timing it with a pump temperature that is that's interesting that is interesting well i wish you could have milked that technology for all it was worth oh yeah <laughs> you know i mean they, they they definitely milked the paper a little bit but yep. uh <clears throat> mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, I have a million cow puns. I'm just gonna, just gonna put them away. <laughs> I, yep. It would, it would be utterly ridiculous to keep going. <laughs> ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I love. I just like this paper. It was funny. I love that they say the calves showed a level of performance comparable to that of children and superior to that of very young children. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah, these are parents writing this. <laughs> parents wrote this paper, right. and they were like, man, these calves can do this. Why can't my three-year-old? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and just like just like um, parenting three-year-olds, they say right there, the success of our procedures likely attributable to, you know, giving these cows molasses and spraying them with water when they peed in the hallway. <laughs> Yep, reward and punishment. Oh, uh, yep, it's great. <laughs> but it's very interesting. The numbers were very surprising at like why this is worth it because that is an awful lot of ammonia. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, and this was a very well written, well written couple of pages and excellent videos to go along with it. <laughs> so, if you've got data on proper or uh, properly training cattle. To use the Mulu or other <laughs> Lou-related papers. Shannon, how can they send that in? <laughs> Please send those to us. Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at don'tpanicgeo. I'm at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. And if you want more urine-related fun papers, <laughs> you can support our- Urine luck. Oh, yes. How did I not see that coming? Oh. Yes. Well, hopefully our our Patreon box will be overflowing. <laughs> Patreon.com slash don't panic geo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. 